Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Andy Ward. I'm one of your newest elders here at Living Hope. And I have the privilege to introduce uh, Pastor Keith and his wife, Annette, and their son, Akili, formerly here at Living Hope. Uh, not only is Pastor uh, McCullough here with us today, but Pastor Keith is at, um, I'm sorry, Pastor Tim is at Keith Church today. Today's pulpit swap is uh, one small piece in affirming our unity in Christ and recognizing that believers in Christ are all part of one body. And the things that the world can see as um, differences or even divisions, um, denominations, ethnicity, cultural, are all insignificant compared to our family ties and, our, and unity and allegiance to Jesus Christ in the Scriptures. Keith is senior pastor at Mount Zion Baptist Church in Warrington, where his wife Annette and Akili worship and serve alongside him. During the week, Annette works here at CCA, where their son Akili attends and is completing his senior year. Pastor Keith, alongside Pastor Tim, also serve on the school's board of trustees. Keith and Annette stepped out in faith as one of the original founding families of this school. So this might give you an idea of this family's trust and faith in God. I've had the privilege of knowing Keith and his family for about seven years, and it's been a pleasure to hear Keith preach and speak on several occasions. And there's one thing that I've uh, learned about Keith is he loves God, he loves others, and he loves the Word. Please help me welcome Pastor McCullough to Living Hope. All right, so the first task is to take the mask off without ripping my glasses off. Uh, so we've been successful with that, so that's a plus. Uh, thank you so much uh, for allowing us to do this pulpit swap. Uh, I know if uh, Living Hope is like uh, Mount Zion, uh, sometimes you can have detractors. Uh, but as Adam said, or Mr. Ward, uh, we're one body. We serve the same Lord. And so every Sunday, you really should have the same person speaking to you. Now, the body might change, but it really should be the Spirit of God speaking to you every Sunday. So whoever stands before you is irrelevant as long as they are submitting themselves uh, to that same Spirit. Uh, I'm going to pray. I actually forgot which scripture I said I was going to preach this morning. So <laughs> if you can remind me, that would be actually be good. Uh, uh, Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you, dear Lord, for uh, this opportunity uh, to stand before these, your people, praying, Father God, uh, that I would not be seen, but you would be heard. Uh, that is your word, dear Lord, that is most important. It is your word that needs to go forth. It is your word that makes changes in the lives of people. Father, it's in Jesus' name I pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen. So what did I say I was preaching this morning? What scripture did I give you? Yeah. All right. Roman 1.16. Okay, I just wanted to make sure, because I got a couple sermons here. I was like, which one did I say I was going to preach? Uh, Romans 1.16. This is actually a, a familiar uh, scripture uh, for most of us. Uh, if you have it up on the screen, you see it up on the screen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ, if you want to add that in there, depending on the version you're reading. Uh, for it is the power of God for salvation uh, to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. Simple text. We're all familiar with it. Uh, but let's see what we can pull out of there for this morning. And just as a little bit of context here, 
Paul's letter to the Romans, it, it, it's, it's the most systematic of all of his epistles. And it unfolds the good news of God's Son. You know, God's Son, Jesus, who is uh, the revelation of, right, of the righteousness of God. And this book was written by Paul uh, about 58 years after the crucifixion of Jesus, who is the Christ. And uh, to a church that Paul did not start, and to a people that he had not met. Now, Paul, the apostle, called the Jews, uh, called Jesus, uh, he thanks the Romans for their faith. I'm just going through the first 15 verses here. Uh, the, the church in, in Rome is highly spoken of throughout the Roman Empire, and it was uh, Paul's desire to be with them. And Paul believed that if he could, connect with the believers and share with them some spiritual gift that 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 Paul and the church would benefit from his sharing. And Paul shares with them that it is his desire to get there, but his reason for not getting there is not because he's reluctant to to meet with them. It's just other things keep popping up. I mean, God, you know, just doing what he does, just like, okay, I want to go here. Anybody had this experience? But God takes you a totally different rate, uh, di- uh, direction. Slow down, Keith. You ain't got to be in a race here. Uh, I just remember Pastor Tim said he preaches for 25 minutes. I like usually preach for 40, so I'm just trying to. <laughs> uh, and so Paul says, you know, I, 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 I go to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and the unwise. I'm ready uh, to preach the gospel. There, there are some in the church that, that, that can't make this statement that Paul is making in verse number 16. Right. There's just some of us who can't make this statement. And once again, it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. When we look at Rome, Rome was a a proud city and the gospel came from Jerusalem. And that was the capital city of a place that Rome had uh, conquered. The, the, the Christians in that day were not among the elite of society. And they're probably not among the elite of society here today either. Uh, they were common people and even slaves. They, uh, Rome had known many great philosophers and philosophies. And why would they pay any attention to anything that comes out of this city called Jerusalem? But in spite of the odds against him, Paul proclaimed boldly, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And within this verse, we not only see the proclamation, but we see an explanation for his boldness. And the first reason that I see in this verse that Paul was not ashamed of the gospel is because of his origin. In Rome, if a message came down from Caesar, it would be it would immediately get the attention of the person that the message was delivered to, not because of the message, but because of who the message came from. I know in my past, if you know, I I was always the tattletale in the family. And and so when my mother or my aunt gave me a message to give to one of my siblings or to my my cousins, I would go boldly with that message. Your mama said, right, because it didn't come from me. And they wouldn't necessarily listen to me, but because of the authority by which that message came, it caused them sometimes to make a change, right? So Paul proclaims that he's not ashamed of the gospel because of the originator of the message is God himself. 
Paul was not afraid to identify with Jesus, even when doing so is not popular. Does that sound familiar to anyone? When Paul speaks of us being more than conquerors, he is saying that our spiritual conquest will exceed our physical conquest. And as great as the Roman Empire was, the kingdom of God is greater. As great as America is, the kingdom of God is greater. So Paul was not just a follower of Jesus on Sunday. Wherever Paul went, the lamb was sure to go. Paul was not a spiritual. He was not with the spiritual crowd. Uh, he, He wasn't hiding his Christianity. Paul went out to where Christ had not already been preached. Right. Paul was not a spiritual, a spiritual coward. He didn't mind going out and, and, and to the people who were opposed to him and sharing the gospel. Do I have any Pauls under the sound of my voice? The message he responded to and carried was from the creator of heaven and earth with the power and authority behind the message. So why would he be ashamed? Is it enough for you and is it enough for me to know that God is the originator of the gospel? And what I mean is, do we give more, are we more impressed with the originator of the message that we have? Other, uh, or are we more impressed with the people who will shun us because we come with that message? Do we shut down when we have an opportunity to share the gospel because we're afraid of what people might say or might do to us? Are we ashamed of the gospel? But Paul was not ashamed of the gospel because of his origin, but he was also not ashamed of the gospel because of its operation. The gospel is the power of God. Did we catch that? The gospel is the power of God. The fear of Rome hovered over the land at the time, but Paul answered to a higher power through the, and through the power of the gospel, Paul did not care about what the people thought about him. If you're ashamed of the gospel, then you're missing out on sharing the power of God. The gospel is powerful enough to save us from living in eternity separated from God. No person can ever be bought to faith in Christ unless the gospel is preached to them in the same way. We don't ever come to Christ thinking about just anything. We come to Christ through the gospel and the gospel alone. It could be here, it could be in snippets here or snippets there. But at some point, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, all of this came together and you believe the entire gospel. And because you believe, you now have the power of God within you. But are you ashamed of it and you don't share that power? Are you afraid of other people and so you don't walk in the power that is actually within you? The gospel is not just saving power. It is cleansing power. The gospel can take a sin-stained life and turn it into one that is without spot or blemish. It is because of the gospel that you begin learn, you begin to learn how to live a life pleasing to God. This divine power is a saving power, a cleansing power, but it's also a keeping power. 
the power of the gospel or the good news is that it can keep you. Any know what it, anyone know what it feels like to be kept? Anyone know what it feels like when you can turn to no one else, but you have a peace that surpasses all understanding? That is you being kept by the gospel. See, when you know the keeping power of the gospel, even if everyone else fails you, you know God can do all things but fail. When you know the keeping power of the gospel, even when you can't turn anywhere else, you can turn to God. When you know the keeping power of the gospel, even when you see trouble all around you, you realize that you have more going for you than you have going against you. So Paul was not ashamed of the gospel because of the origin of the gospel. He was not ashamed of the gospel because of the opportunity of the gospel. Excuse me, but uh, uh, he was not also uh, ashamed of the gospel because of the operation of the gospel. But the third reason he wasn't ashamed of the gospel is because of the opportunity of the gospel. Y'all catching all the O's here? The power of God in, in the gospel message is the power of God unto salvation. That is the opportunity that is available to everyone through the gospel. Why would you be ashamed of something that saves you or saves another person? Why would you be ashamed of something that keeps you even when no one else can keep you? Why would you be ashamed of something that delivers you when something and no one else could deliver you? And the word salvation, during that time, it, it carried a tremendous meaning, right? It, it, its basic meaning is deliverance, right? The gospel delivers sinners from the penalty and the power of sin. Many will call Christianity narrow-minded. Anyone ever heard that one before? You're just so narrow-minded as a Christian. How dare you say that Jesus is the only way. Now, it's funny how people can be narrow-minded about a lot of things. You can be narrow-minded about your favorite sports team. You can be narrow-minded about how the perfect steak should be cooked. You can be narrow-minded about what it means to be a the best-dressed man or best-dressed woman. But when it comes to salvation, all of a sudden people have a problem with things being narrow. Yes, it is narrow, but we didn't set the way. That is the way that was set for us. Right? It's okay to be narrow-minded about your political party, about uh, your other beliefs, but for some reason it's not okay to be narrow-minded about the gospel. And can I step outside uh, a little bit here? If your political affiliation is more important than the gospel in your life, you need to change your priorities. If your skin color is more important than the gospel in your life, you need to change your priorities. If your denomination is more important than the gospel in your life, you need to change your priorities. None of those things can save you. Only the gospel can deliver you from the penalty of sin. So the gospel presents an opportunity that no one or nothing else can offer. The gospel provides the opportunity 
for salvation, salvation. The gospel offers an opportunity to alter your eternal destiny. But we can't just look at the gospel as our ticket into heaven. The gospel opens up the opportunity of the creator and master and sustainer of heaven and earth to become your adoptive father. To become part of the family of God. The gospel opens the door of redemption. The gospel opens the door to eternal transformation. The gospel opens the door to the heart, to a heart change that legislation will never be able to change. There's no drug program in the world that works better than the gospel. There's no AA or NA meeting that works better than the gospel. I'm not suggesting you should stop going if you're going. But nothing works better than the gospel. The gospel is the answer to teenage pregnancy. The gospel is the answer to drunkenness. The gospel is the answer to sexual, sexually transmitted disease. The gospel is the answer to what the world calls low self-esteem. The gospel is the answer to racism. The gospel is the answer to sexism. The gospel is the answer to privilege. The gospel is the answer to everything that ails us in society. Why are we ashamed of it? Why are we ashamed of it? The gospel is the power of God that saves. How many Pauls do I have under the sound of my voice? How many people know what they once were, but you took advantage of the opportunity to receive the power of God and it changed your life? You were healed. You were delivered. And you are set free. You may not be perfect, but you're on your way. Think about the zeal that you used to have. Well, maybe not you. Let me just speak about me. I think about the zeal that I had when I was in the world and I was running for the devil. The things that I would do for him and I wasn't ashamed about any of those things. But once I got saved, that's not the time to go into the shell. That's the time to be just as or more bold for God than I was for the devil. I know none of you can identify with that. You've been saved since the womb. I'm just talking about me. So Paul was not ashamed of the gospel because of the origin of the gospel, uh, the operation of the gospel, and the opportunity of the gospel. But he's also not ashamed of it because of the outreach of the gospel. Just heard the lady come up here and talk about outreach. See, the interesting thing is, is that the gospel is available to anyone who believes. The gospel is not exclusive uh, to Jews or Gentiles. It's not exclusive to Americans or Brazilians or Africans. It's available to everyone because we all need it. We all need the gospel. It's to everyone because we all need salvation. The beauty of this, and here's the beauty of this part of the text here. You don't have to guess as to who to share the gospel with. There's no guessing here. It's for everyone. So even if they don't look like, look like you, guess what? They still need the gospel. Even if they don't worship like you, guess what? They still need the gospel. Whether they're young or old, male or female, big, little, doesn't matter. Guess what? 
Everybody needs the gospel. So that takes the guessing game out of we don't have to have a church meeting about who we're going to target. That's already been decided for you. Target the unsaved. And if you don't know, share the gospel with them. That's the only way you're going to find out. Because most people, if you ask them, you know, are you going to heaven? Most people tell you, yeah. But they have no idea how they're getting there. As if they're just going to go down to Union Station and buy a ticket one day. You have to share. And God takes the guessing game out of it by telling you, just share it with everyone. I'm ashamed of many things in my past. I'm ashamed of the way that I used to talk. I'm ashamed of the way that I used to treat other people. I'm ashamed of the way that I used to use women. I'm ashamed of the way I used to lie and cheat. I'm ashamed of the way that I used to steal from my friends, my families, and my foes. But what I'm not ashamed of, what I will not be ashamed of, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is that gospel that turned me from a lying, cheating whoremonger into someone that God could use to bring other people into the saving knowledge of him. We cannot allow the world to silence us. As you've heard many other preachers say, everybody else is going, coming out of the closet. Why are we going in? Why are we ashamed of the gospel? Why are we ashamed or afraid to stand up for the only thing that can really deliver this world? I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who's in Congress. They have no saving power. I don't care who your pastor is. I don't care who your elders are. They have no saving power. The only thing that can save us. It was done on Calvary's Hill over 2,000 years ago when a man went to that cross, took a beating beyond or even uh, acknowledgement, something we can't even fathom. He carried his own beam up the Calvary's hill. They stretched him wide. They hung him high. And he bowed his head. And for us, he died. That is the only message that will save people. But it didn't end right there. Because three days later, when they went to that tomb, The stone wasn't rolled away so that he can get out. The stone was rolled away so they can go in and see that it was empty. That is what will save America. That is what will save this world. It is the gospel. We cannot be ashamed of it. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful that you've given us the most powerful message on earth. Matter of fact, without this message, Father God, the church has nothing unique to offer the world. And so it's this message, Father God, that as it has impregnated us, that we want to give birth to that message to other people. That that message gives us a boldness, dear Lord, that if we take hold of it, we'll be able to utilize to bring people into the saving knowledge of Jesus, who is the Christ. The only bridge between us and you is him. I pray, Father, that in my presentation, dear Lord, whether it be my nervousness, Father God, or or trying to stick to a schedule, Father, that your message, your truth went forward, dear Lord, not with my power and authority, but with your power and authority. That when your word goes forth, it never returns void. 
it accomplishes exactly what it was set out to accomplish. Father, as I end this prayer, I pray you will not end our fellowship through the Holy Spirit. And it's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen.